have your Bible, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. We've been looking at this verse and what it means to make a difference with our lives and, and, and the kind of people that Jesus wants us to be. We've talked about getting in the game, not just being happy with a little holy huddle on a Sunday, you know, being happy calling plays and, man, our quarterback's better and our band's better. No, it's not about that. It's about getting in the game and making a difference. And we're looking at what Jesus says we can do and what we're called to be. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set where? On a hill. I want you to draw your attention to that. Cannot be hidden. And then he says it again in another way. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but where? On a stand. Why? It's for a purpose, so it gives light to all that's in the house. Verse 16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do you back it up one more to verse 14? I just want to draw your attention to the position that Jesus tells, uh, tells us that we're called to be and called to. He doesn't just say you're a city. He doesn't just say you're a light. He gives us specific instructions of a position where the city is supposed to be and where the light is supposed to be. And I want you to notice both of them are vertical. He said, I want you to be a city, not just in the valley, not a city by the sea. I want you to be a city on top of a mountain. I want you to be on top of everything else around you. I want you to light a candle and I want you to put it on a certain position. I want it to be on a stand. In other words, it's intentional where God places us, and our, our performance determines our influence. Our performance determines the positioning of where we are. Here's what I know. At your house, you probably don't, whenever you walk into your you know, bedroom, you probably don't flip on the light switch, and you know, there's a you know, track lighting on the floor comes on. If it does, please don't tell anybody about that, right? Uh, it would be awkward. It, but if you flip on the light switch, what happens? The light comes down from above, right? And, and if you've ever had to replace a light or a lamp, anybody ever had to do that at your house before? You know, had to replace a, a, a fan or something like that with a light in your house or you need to? Can I see some hands in the house? Yeah, there you go. How many knows that's a miserable thing? It's not, it's not fun to do, right? You know, you're working above your head. You're on a ladder. You're about to die. You know, you got one, you know, you're just, you know, your, your spouse is praying, you know, that, that you're safe and all these things. You know, it's just kind of a, it's not easy. In other words, putting the light on top has to be intentional. It doesn't happen by accident. Putting the light on top is something that takes effort and energy. And, but whenever it's there, just like in this room, whenever these lights are here, it gives us the ability when we turn them on, we actually have light here today. And Jesus says, that's the kind of church I want you to be. That's the kind of person I want you to be. Not just down in the valley like everybody else, not just one of many, but I want you on a hill, on a stand, shining for the world around you. That's why I call this message today simply this, put the light on top. Put the light on top. If I had a subtitle title to this message, I would simply call it a spirit of excellence. A spirit of excellence. I believe we live in a world that responds to excellence. We live in a world today that if someone will be willing to stand out, then people want to know what their secret is. If people are winners, 
if they make the game-winning touchdown, there's a microphone going in their face and they want to know in front of the world, what's your secret, man? Like, how did you do it? How did you make the catch? But nobody's going to the guy who missed the catch and saying, hey, how did you miss it? Please share our se your secret with me, right? We want to know how people are doing, like what it is about excellence, and we want to know your secret. I dare say that I believe that God is calling us as individuals, us as a church. I just want to share this principle today, hopefully, uh, with you. It will apply individually. But, but I really want this to be something that characterizes this church, City Hills Church. I want this church to be characterized by a spirit of excellence. Because I believe through being excellent, as God's called us to be, that you as an individual in your workplace, you and your family, and us as a church, church in a community, I believe, through serving the Lord and putting our light on top and putting our city on a hill, I believe that people will say, man, what is it about those people? What is it about her? What is it about him? There's something different about what they are doing. I want what they have. And I want to show you some aspects of a spirit of excellence. Here's the first aspect. Do what you do well. Do what you do well. In other words, our performance determines our platform. That, that people are looking at our lives and they're wanting to know, are we the kind of people that are excellent at what we do? That our performance makes a difference. If we fail, nobody wants to know the secret to our failure, but if we can be the kind of people that outperform others, not in a way to bring glory to ourselves, but as believers bring glory to our God, that we can find out, God, what can I do to be the most excellent at what I do? If you work in an office, what can I do to be the most excellent to in my office? If, if, if you're always late, if you're can't keep your word, if you're somebody who's always down in the dumps, if you always have an excuse, I promise nobody's ever going to come up to you and to say, hey, can I go to church? Like, let me go to church with you. You seem like you have it together. No, but if you're somebody who's willing to allow a spirit of excellence to come on you and say, whatever I do, I'm going to do it as unto the Lord, and you take a spirit of excellence about you, I promise people that don't even know your God will come and say, tell me, what's the, like, how are you doing it? What is happening? in your life. Do what you do with excellence. Do it well. So I was thinking about this. I, I, I was reminded of David in the, in the scripture. You've probably heard of David before, the mighty king, the mighty warrior. He was someone, we still sing songs that he wrote thousands of years ago. We sing them today. He was an incredible man of God that was used to do great things. But I want to take your attention to how he was discovered, if you will. Like, how, what was David's beginning ascent to the throne? 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 17. Saul, the king, was looking at his servants and said, Provide for me a man who can play well. Like, I'm looking for somebody, I'm not looking for somebody who gets all the notes wrong. <laughs> I'm looking for somebody who's practiced a little bit, you know what I'm saying, and knows how to play, knows how to play something. And he says, play well and bring him to me. And one of the young men answered, Behold, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing. Say, well, it's not a big deal. You don't have to be all that excellent. It's not that big of a, and it's not really that important of a thing. Well, it was huge for David because it actually brought him for the first time before the presence of the king. 
that, that the king of the whole land took what he was doing with excellence, took his work, he took his musicianship so, so you got to watch when you say that, he took, he, he took that so seriously, <laughs> he took it so seriously that people said, hey, I'm looking for somebody who's good at their work. And they say, hey, I don't know if you've ever heard, but there's this runt of a kid. He's out in the field. I heard him playing the other day. He's the best that I've heard. And then the king says, hey, bring him to me. And all of David's accomplishments, all of the great things that he did, all stem from him being willing to have a spirit of excellence and to take what he was doing seriously and to not take it for granted. Made me also think of Daniel. You know, Daniel was the chief advisor in a very heathenistic nation for three different kings, three different rulers. He was somebody who made a great difference in his world. But Daniel chapter 1 begins to tell us about how it happened. It talks about how he was willing to stand up for his God. He was willing to be someone that's a person of excellence. But the way that he did it was the way that he did it was through being someone who other people looked at and thought he was doing something for God, doing something good in your notes, in your notes today. We'll go to Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. It says, Then Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps. Why? Because an excellent spirit, I love that, an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. <laughs> Daniel was somebody that God used, but it all happened because he was someone who, even someone who did not know God, said, I don't know what it is about that Daniel, but he's doing what he's doing so well that I'm just going to set him above the others. Daniel chapter 1, verse 15, it's not in your notes, but Daniel made a stand for the Lord. And he made such a stand, he said, I'm not going to eat what other people eat. I'm not going to do what other people do. I'm not going to eat the king's meat. But what allowed him to make a difference, it said at the end of 10 days in Daniel 1.15, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and looked better nourished than the young men who had already eaten food assigned by the king. In other words, they had such an excellence about them because they served the Lord, because they loved the Lord, because they took what their responsibility was seriously. At the end of 10 days, they outperformed everyone else around them. They were, they, what, what if he was the last in the class? What if he wasn't sharp? What if he was lazy? I don't think the king would have had any interest in bringing him before the others and allowing his influence to permeate through this heathenistic nation. So I want to ask you a question with each one of these. Here's the first question. Am I stretching or am I stagnant? Am I stretching or am I stagnant? In your workplace, in your home, in whatever uh, sphere of life that you're currently in, here's the question. Are you getting better at what you are doing? Or are you someone who is just stagnant at what you are doing? You're someone who's getting further. Maybe it means you reading. Maybe it means you're reading a book. Maybe it means you're listening to a podcast. Maybe it means you're someone who's trying to learn. Maybe you get around other people that are doing things excellent and you are distinguishing yourself above the rest, not for your glory, but for the glory of God. This is how we change the world through an excellent spirit, just like David, just like Daniel. And here's the second aspect of an excellent spirit. First one was do what you do well. The second one is have a good attitude. Have a good attitude. See, people of authority are always drawn to people with a good attitude. 
See, our attitudes are contagious. We, we, we have such an ability to project how we feel on everyone else. I, I, heard a, uh, I heard a story about a man who he, had, he, he took a nap one day, and he was a grandfather, and his grandkids came and put Limburger cheese under his nose. And he woke up, and he thought, man, this couch stinks. <laughs> and then he got up, and he smelled around the room. He said, man, this room stinks. Then he went to the other room. He said, man, this whole house stinks. He walked outside thinking he was going to get some freedom. He flung open the doors, got on the front porch, and he said, man, this whole world stinks, right? Well, what was the problem? It was just with him, right? See, how many times do we project all of our attitude, wrong attitude on everybody else without realizing it may just be us? That sometimes the best thing we can do for a spirit of excellence is just walk into work and just put a smile on our face. Encourage somebody. Have an attitude that makes other people around you better. I, I read an article last week that said that, that there is a, um, that statistically we have a six to one complaining to encouraging ratio. <laughs> like six, more than six times to one we walk in our, current, in, our, in our personal relationships, we're complaining, we're finding fault, we're speaking negative things. What would happen if we turned that around and for every one negative thing we were saying, we had such the attitude that we were encouraging other people around us and it began to make a difference so much so that people said, man, there's something about this person. Philippians chapter 2 verse 14, it's in your notes there. It says, do some things. No, I wish it said do some things, but it doesn't. It said do all things without grumbling or questioning. Why? So that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. In other words, you can give somebody all the scripture you want. You can throw Bibles in their face. You can do all you want to do. But if your life is all messed up and you've got a bad attitude and a complaining spirit and you got, you've been sucking on sour lemons all morning before you walk in the office, I promise nobody's going to want what you have. But if you're the kind of person that, 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 that walks into your world and makes it better, I promise you, you'll do things that this person, that as a preacher, I could never do. You'll influence people that other people could never influence. Why? Because you're allowing God to put a spirit of excellence in you. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Man, I'm not working for my company. I'm not working. They're not paying me. God's paying me. Like I have such an attitude. I'm not working for people I'm working for God makes me think of a man that I met years and years ago at a youth camp it was a youth camp where I gave my heart to the Lord and he was a man that um, people wouldn't normally see him as being a leader he had some developmental issues and but but he was someone year to year I always remember him it was a very large camp about three or four hundred kids every week whenever we would go and he was always someone who was carrying the chairs. And he would, his chairs would have to be set up and the cafeteria would have to be rearranged. And, and he just had such an excellent spirit. He just was always smiling, always had a great attitude. And, and, and I always asked him, I said, man, how do you keep such a good attitude? And he said, well, I'm the, he said, I've always seen myself that doing this, I'm the chairman for the Lord. 
That's what he told me. I'm the chairman because he thought he was doing his chairs, and I, he had such a good attitude. There's a lady that was my Sunday school teacher whenever I was very little. Her name, we called her Sister Brenda. And Sister Brenda was the sweetest lady to this day, is one of the sweetest people that I've ever met. She still, she, she, she my mom will share with her uh, sermons that I've preached over the years, and she was my Sunday school teacher whenever I was just a little kid. And I'll never forget, of all the Sunday school teachers I had, she was someone who she always always would bring a smile to my face. I remember the things she would say to this day, and she would just hug me. She'd say, I'm, I'm so handsome. I'll you know, make comments about my clothes. All this stuff as a little kid, it's so funny. I still remember all that. And I just thought Sister Brenda was the most amazing person. And it wasn't until after I began to get a little older that I realized how amazing she was because Sister Brenda had multiple, multiple sclerosis, and she was in a wheelchair. I just thought she just was sitting down uh, at our table because she was a teacher. But no, she would get in early before all the kids, and she would get out of her wheelchair, and she would sit in that chair, and she would teach those group of kids that would come around. And, and she, to this day, has one of the greatest attitudes and loves the Lord and has affected thousands and thousands of children with who she is. What is that? That's someone, she could have been in the corner crying because of her condition, but she chose to be somebody with an excellent spirit that made such a difference because she was willing to not look at her situation, but she was looking at her life so that she could make a difference. See, that's what changes everything. Look at Joseph in Genesis 39.3. It says, Potiphar noticed and realized, watch this, that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Ha, huh, that's awesome. A couple of weeks ago, I was thinking about that scripture in John chapter 15. It says that if we will abide in him, nothing, our leaf will not wither. And everything that we do, like we prosper. There's a prosperity that comes whenever we're connected to the Lord. And Joseph... He was, he was put over, he was sold into slavery. He was put over Potiphar's house, which he was, a, he was an owner of slaves and had a business. And it wasn't too long, he was in charge of the business. Well, then Potiphar's wife lied on him. He was put in prison. It wasn't too long before he was in charge of the prison. He was a prisoner, but he was put in charge of the prisoners, you know? Like you talk about a guy who realized he had the right attitude that God was always with him. You know what, if you think you need another job, another position, another break for you to be able to have the right attitude and make a difference, it will never happen in your life. It has to begin where you are. If Joseph would have just waited till he got to the palace before he would step into his destiny and have the right attitude, he would have never got there. It was him in the prison saying, you know what? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Did he want to be in a prison? Absolutely not. Did he deserve to be in a prison? Absolutely not. But all the while, God was taking an excellent spirit and would raise him to a place of prominence. So it humbled him to the place where now, whenever he stood, he was able to deliver God's people and that we're here today because of a man with an excellent spirit was able to save the people of God. Here's the question about our attitude. Do I get to, and this is bad English here, but I am from Kentucky, so you have to, have to, you can take the boy out of Kentucky. You can't take Kentucky out of the boy. Do I get to, or do I got to? <laughs> do I get to, or do I got to? You know, that makes all the difference about your attitude. If you will live your life with a get to kind of attitude, it'll change everything. If you say, I get to go to work, that's a lot different than I got to go to work. I get to do what I do, or I 
got. I have to. Like it's, it's just what I do. It's what I have to do. Then I promise your attitude will be different. I get to sit where I sit. I get to do what I do. I get to serve where I serve. I get to give. I get to be a part. I get to give my life. I get, I get to. That's what makes all the difference. I challenge you to walk this week being a get to kind of person. It'll change everything about you. You'll stop looking at what you're dealing with, and you'll start looking at the purpose. You'll start looking at the promise. Here's, a, here's something that's free. Start at, stop asking why and start asking what in your life. Whenever things come in, into your life, stop asking why do they come, because that's an answer most of us will never receive on this side of heaven. God, why? People, why? 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 I promise, if you begin to ask God what... Not why has this happened, but God, what are you calling me to do through this? Oh, man, that'll change your attitude because you'll see God using you to be a part of his kingdom and process. Here's the, here's the third aspect on the back of your notes of an excellent spirit. I'll explain it. Here's the, here it is. Make the boat better. Make the boat better. You see, each of us are in a boat. Our workplace is a boat. <laughs> Your family is a boat. Your friends, y'all are in a boat. This church today, we're in a boat. <laughs> and here's the, here's the idea, that each and every one of us in our spheres of influence, in these places that we are with people, in this workplace, we're kind of constrained, we're in this boat, we're going together, we're moving along. Here's the question, do you make your boat better or do you make your boat, boat worse? Like, is the boat better because you're a part of it, or is the boat worse because you're a part of it? There's a lot of boat stories in the Bible. Uh, one of them is in Acts chapter 27 about the Apostle Paul. He's been serving the Lord. He's been following after God. He's been doing what God's called him to do. But nevertheless, he's found himself in a storm in a boat full of prisoners. He's on his way to Jerusalem, but there's a storm that comes along the way. And this, the storm is so bad that him and all the other prisoners know they're about to die. It's a bad storm. But the Apostle Paul has a visitation from God in Acts chapter 27, verse 22. In the middle of the storm, Paul looks around to everybody else on the boat and says, Take courage, for none of you will lose your lives, and even though the ship will go down. Here's the reason. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong. That's good all by itself. The angel of God. I belong to God. I may be in a storm, but I still belong to God. The ship may be going down in my life, but I still belong to God. Everything may not be going perfect, but I still belong to God. That's a good attitude right there. He said, I belong to God. He said, there's an angel, and the angel came, and it stood next to me, and I just want all you prisoners to know we're going to be okay. And let me tell you why, because I'm on this boat. <laughs> I tell you, if you're sailing, you want the Apostle Paul in your boat. Because when the storm rages, as long as Paul's in your boat, you know it's going to be saved because Paul's got a purpose, and he's making a difference, right? So Paul, because he was on the boat, everybody else around him was saved. Jonah, on the other hand, in the Old Testament, maybe you've heard this story in Sunday school. Jonah was on a boat running from God, not following God. And the storm came up, 
Why? Because he was running away from God, so much so that all the prisoners around him said, hey, we're going to have to roll dice or something to find out, like, who is the problem on this boat, and we got to kick them off the boat, right? we got to get them out of the way because, man, they're messing up our boat. Something's wrong with somebody on the boat, and it was Jonah. The Bible says that the Lord sent a strong wind to the sea in Jonah 1.4, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break. So Paul saved everybody on his boat. Jonah about killed everybody on his boat. The question is, which one are you? Are you the kind of person that just because you're at your workplace, it's better because you're there? Are you that person that just sucks the life of everybody around you because your world is, is so much more important than everybody else's world and you're a, someone who's taking from everyone else around? Are you making your boat better? Because I, I, pro, I promise you, if you'll be the kind of person that walk into your world wanting to make the other people around you better with that kind of excellent spirit, I promise God will use it. God will say, man, that's somebody that I can give influence to. I'll bring them before a king. I'll use them to make a great, great, great difference. Here's the question with this one. Am I a giver or am I a taker? Am I a giver or am I a taker? So I was thinking about this. I got thinking about, these, about the people that are part of this church. I want to tell you there are people in this room that this church would not be here today if it wasn't for you being willing to be a giver. Just the truth. Some of you give time, some of you give your resources, people that tithe, people that give of what they have. They take their talent and ability and they, they say, I want to be, I want to make this boat better. I want this church to be better because I'm here and it is and I thank you for that. Like, are you the kind of person that walks into this place saying, I want to make it better. I want to use my gifts. I want to use my talents. I want to give what I have because I want the boat to be better because I'm a part of it. I want my workplace to be better because I'm a part of it. See, this is how we change our world. See, it's not so much walking to our world saying, hey, by the way, you know you're wrong, right? You know you're not right. Hey, remember that? You see that debate the other night? You know, look at all you That whole political party's going to hell. You know, look at all that. You know, it's just all bad. Look at how bad the world is. Let me put 10 posts on Facebook about how bad the world is and this and that. I mean, just that's one way that we could try to change our world, right? But I say the way that we truly change it is through having such a spirit of excellence that, you know what, people actually come to us and say, hey, um, I, tell me about your, like, tell me, I can't keep this together, but something's different about the way you're living your life. And then you can share Christ. It's not throwing tracts and throwing Bibles at the world, but it's, but it's realizing this, that, you know what, you may be the only Bible people ever read. Like our lives, you have the power to influence people that I'll never influence and could never influence. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1, I love this. This is really just a, in the Old Testament, the same picture of what Jesus talks about in the New. He says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises on you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over its people and that our world today. It says, but the Lord rises on you and his glory appears over you, city hills. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. I love it. I love it. 
See, here's what happens. I want to tell you two things what happen whenever we begin to allow God to do this in us and have this spirit of excellence that makes a difference and, and, and where we allow him to take our city and just put it on top of the hill. Take our lamp, put it on top. Put it, put it in a place of prominence where it gives light to everyone else around us. The first thing is we receive influence. Influence, that's your blank there. I think about, Dave, I think about Solomon who had built such a wise house that the queen of Sheba, another prominent queen of the day, who did not serve God, who was not someone who served the Lord, but she came to him all the way from where she lived. She traveled to see Solomon and the house that he had built. I promise if you allow wisdom to build your house, people will come to ask how you did it and how they can do it too. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 6, says, She said to the king, The report is so true what I heard in my own land about the words of your wisdom. He says, But I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not even told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpass the report that I've heard. And watch this. It says, Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you. And hear your wisdom. His spirit of excellence, his performance gave him a platform to be able to witness to the queen of Sheba who, about who his God was. And I promise it wouldn't have happened if whenever he got there, all the, all the, uh, you know, the, all the workers were, had a bad attitude. They were all mad at everybody. Everybody's fighting. Nobody wanted to open the door. Everybody's out just taking a break. Nobody has a smile on their face. Everybody's just all discombobulated. Everybody's broke down. Everybody's got all these things. It would have never been something that she said, I want more about it. I want to know more about it. But something about Solomon's excellent spirit and wisdom began to reach somebody that other people would never be able to reach. You see, I was thinking about this the other day, that Jesus was not born into a, a priest's home. He was born into the home of an entrepreneur. He was born into the home of a carpenter, a blue-collar worker. I got thinking, if I was going to bring the Savior to the world, I would, you know, I'd make him, you know, you know, fifth generation, tenth generation, you know, you know, you know, priest or something like that, you know, that, that's, I'd make sure he's raised at the temple, you know, I'd make sure he just slept, you know, his bed was right on the altar, you know, I, I'd, no, but he, for 30 years of his life, what he learned about purchase orders and, and, and complaining customers and, 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 and business hours and holidays and all these all these things that you and I deal with all the time. And God chose to bring the Savior of the world right in the middle of their everyday life. In other words, I believe that that's the same way God brings the Savior to our world. He doesn't just do it through what happens here on a Sunday with a preacher holding the microphone. It happens whenever we're willing to allow Jesus to be born in us at our workplaces, at our homes, at our Thanksgiving tables. When we give an invitation and say, hey, my church is doing this thing. It's Christmas movies. You're going to love it. Why don't you come and be a part? It's, it's through God using us in our influence in our everyday lives. God wants to raise us up. See, nations will rise to your light 
and kings to the brightness of your dawn. I believe God wants to, whatever your, whatever your place in this society is, whatever your place in Knoxville, in this region is, I just believe God wants to lift it up so that he can be lifted up through your life and through my life. God wants to do it together. So we'll have influence. And then I want to conclude with this. Musicians, you could come. First of all, we'll have influence. And, and secondly, we'll have a legacy. We will have a legacy. It's hard to think about excellence in the Bible without thinking about Proverbs chapter 31 and the virtuous woman that's described. Usually we only just talk about this verse on Mother's Day, right, ladies? But this is something that is a, such a testament to the power of a lady who is willing to live her life differently than the world around her with excellence. And the conclusion of the matter is in verse 28. It says, Her children arise and call her blessed. Her, husband's all, her husband also, husbands, that'd be bad. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. It says, Many women do noble things. But what was it about this lady? He says, you surpassed them all. Like, you are a lady, you are a person, you are a man, you are a woman. And you know what? There are a lot of people out there that are working, a lot of people that are raising kids, a lot of people that are doing things, but you surpassed them all. You've made an intentional choice to climb up, to twist that light bulb up above. Why? So that it can show...